Jaron Cacophony tells you you're listening to the one the only the power of three isn't it it is I'm Kenny and I'm David thank you for joining us welcome back indeed after a recent episode where Dave and I discussed the Doctor Who New Adventures featuring a guest appearance from MC Tom Harris we've decided to follow it up yes we have um, we're a little more organised this time in that we're going to be taking a look a quick sort of wander through the, the missing adventures as published by Virgin in the 90s. And we're more prepared because we have a list this time, don't we? We do, because last time we were literally winging it and going, which one pops into our head? <laughs> oh yeah, that one. And that came across in the ramshackle nature. Yes. Pure amateurism, but bloody hell, it was great fun. It was, it was, it was so spontaneous and, and, and lovely and, and amazing. And I went home and I sat and I looked at the list and I thought, oh, we didn't talk about that one. And we didn't talk about that one. And that was really good. And I really shouldn't have said, we should have said something about that one. And oh yeah, Big Finish did that one and we didn't even mention it once. Yeah. So that was quite funny. So th- sorry, Theatre of War. Yes, indeed. The, the wonderful <laughs> Theatre of War. So, as it is also known. Yes. To give it a, yes. A, a so this time title. we're here. We've got a proper list. Dave's got in his hands something that's about uh, oh five six inches long and it's it's, <laughs> it's quite about, thick isn't it it is quite thick and it's well thumbed as well yeah, and he has got the well-mannered seen, war it's seen a lot of use but also just like my copy of the well-mannered war which very helpfully as used to do it has a little list of the available books at the start so what we're going to do is we're going to go through them in order of publication yep and little chats and what we remember and, and all that sort of stuff absolutely so so yeah so should we just start at the beginning absolutely then? it's a very good place to start because absolutely. when you read the missing adventures you begin with goth opera by that paul cornell indeed do you remember where you were when you got it? I remember I was working in Inverurie at the time and right. I'd got my book order set up with the Inverurie bookstore in Aberdeenshire. Cool. And are they, they got, are they still there? They're sadly not. They've been out oh, of business. Shame. But it was a local independent bookstore, so support your local independent bookshops if you can, peeps. Absolutely. Um, they got me the new and missing adventures every month and I was so excited when Goth Opera came through with Blood Harvest and obviously the two stories were linked. And the first one I have to admit that I read was Goth Opera. Right. Remember when we did the new adventures one, and I talked about kind of coming in and out with yeah. them, and had a, a, a kind of fallow period, and I made them, and they kind of built up. Read my reading of Goth Opera didn't happen until a little while after it was out. Basically, when I reached Blood Harvest in in the sort of the reading that I sort of that I did, I remember sort of thinking that they did. They, did we even talk about Blood Harvest when we did a new adventure? No, we one? didn't. We did. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. No, I remember. Um, being sort of a little surprised at how little connectivity there actually was. But I did like the bit when the Seventh Doctor basically sort of went, oh, right. That's that, how it happened. That's yeah, how he got well, there. That's why that was what all that was about. That was very well done. Um, I, I have very few memories of Goth Opera. I did read it, mm-hmm. but I, I don't remember nothing very much, too much about it. I remember something in DWB about the, the amount of paint on... The amount of, the yeah, amount of so paint, is, the amount of blood on Nissa's blouse had well, to get... Well, it was painted on, yes. so yes, that counts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> red paint. Um, yeah. There's a, scene in a, there's a scene in the book when Nissa gets covered in red paint. Um, <laughs> and, and that got sort of toned down a bit for the, the release. I remember I remember some minor kerfuffles and storms in a teacup about that. I don't remember too much about it, though. That's the thing. Compared to my memories of the new adventures, I rem- is there not a, is there not quite a funny bit when the doctor pauses whilst in the middle of eating some soup? 
as he realises that the conversation that someone's actually talking to him and he's I remember that bit because Paul Connell was such a big fan of Peter Davison and you yep. can tell I remember being able to tell you know because he wrote him so well yeah because I remember thinking at the time that's really bizarre that they've chosen to launch the reigns with the fifth doctor rather than the fourth who you'd have thought would have been the obvious choice but they went for the fifth and it was a great it was a great idea because it was subverting expectations and it was a damn solid book you've got vampires flying around the sky in Manchester at night I think they're in Australia right. and there's a time lady Ruath that rings a bell yeah yeah I think I think it was a it was really I mean it was, it was a great novel Paul Cornell writes brilliantly for the fifth doctor mm-hmm. and it, it gave him a real, real strength of character, which again sometimes we're maybe let down with in TV, when Peter Davison, one of our finest comedy actors, just wasn't given a chance to yeah. be funny. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Some, I've said many times he's got a nice line and dry sarcasm in his first series, but then you get to something like Time Flight, and he just becomes Joe Exposition, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really change until season 21, when he kind of, you know, what have you been eating and Warriors on the cheap and you know. <laughs> few other bits and bobs it's a, it's a shame actually I mean that's again we've said this many times Big Finish have done them much better absolutely know, in, in that regard so Goth Opera next is Evolution by John Peel not that John Peel not that John Peel Evolution I don't remember very much about it I just remember there's Fish People there's um, Arthur Conan Doyle of course and that's pretty much it I have a feeling that Evolution was the first one that I read of The Missing Adventures because there's a photograph of me on a sun lounger in Cyprus with my legs in the air, face down with my legs in the air, reading a copy of Evolution. If I can find it, um, I might add, I might tweet it from the socials. That'd be a laugh. Might broaden our, might broaden our appeal. Indeed. Never know, it's quite good looking. Or 19, narrow it. It's quite handsome in 1994. Um, no, I... I remember sort of quite enjoying it I thought I'd read I remember enjoying it more than I did the Time Worm book that John Peel did mm-hmm. was that Genesis yeah yep. I'm trying to think a bit more about about evolution I'm trying to remember the, the chronology of because that was that was when we, the second time we went to Cyprus was about October 94 and I think by then yeah I'd spent quite a bit of time in during 1994 catching up on stuff like the highest science and left-handed hummingbird and stuff like that I think so I don't I, yeah I, think, I don't think I read Goth Opera until I read Blood Harvest I think I might have been still quite far but I can't remember I'm not too sure Evolution of course The Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane yes I, I just generally don't remember too much about the cover yeah. the cover had a fishy type person on it and some sort of mermaid and all I remember about it really is that I read it in Cyprus there we go <laughs> that's something Terrific. possibly then, with my shorts on possibly not Hopefully anyway. we don't want to scare the, the <laughs> listeners. Um, next up was The New Zealand Lullaby by Paul Leonard. Now, remember a bit more about this. Do you have much in the way of recollections about it? I have a feeling... Which Doctor was that? It's a Hartnell one. I have a feeling that that's one that I haven't read. I've oh, got, wow. I've got it. I have yeah. a full set. And as I said before, big fan of Paul Leonard. You know, we'll come to, we'll come to Dancing the Code eventually. And he also wrote, I think, Toy Soldiers. Let's double check. The yes, he did. Back. Yeah, it's fine. Yep which was one of my absolute favourites, but no, Venusian Lullaby, I, with, with the, with the Missing Adventures, I kind of, I didn't buy, it, it was a while before I was buying every single one as it came out, and there were a few, you know, as I say, I have a full set now, but later, you know, kind of late in the day, I went back and picked up all the ones that I hadn't picked up, but that's one of the ones that I never got to, I've got a feeling it might have been one of the ones that, there was one Christmas, my sister got me a couple of First Doctor ones that I didn't have, I have a feeling that might have been one of them, do you remember much about Venusian Lullaby? I remember it's, got, I think Ian or Barbara goes a bit 
goes a bit mad because the Venusians have got this culture where when one of them dies, they eat the other's brains sort of to keep their memories living on. Blimey. And Ian or Barbara and Jess sit and they go a bit, oh, I'm, oh right. I think they think they're a Venusian. And the Venusians have got lots of arms. And I think it's like they're everything in Venus is made out of wood. And then there's, I think it's some aliens arrive with, and they're going to burn them or something like that. But I cannot remember much more than that. But that's, is it, this is 90, 1994 we're talking yeah, about, and I've I mean, not read it since. But is, is there a scene when the um, when the first Doctor learns Venusian Aikido? Yes, there, that's definitely that would have been incredibly I'm sure there's a bit, with, and a bit of the old Cochlea Partha Meninclatch, Aruna Aruna Aruna. Of course. That, I mean, that was one thing that we should probably say was what was very good about the Missing Adventures. The connections with the new adventures was quite organic. There was definitely a sense of a, of a shared universe. Yeah. and building on it all and, and building on Doctor Who continuity in a way that at times wasn't really that gratuitous but felt very natural Yeah. speaking of continuity and very natural the next one is The Crystal Bucephalus by that Craig Hinton yes Crystal Bucephalus Craig Hinton bless him poor Craig yeah Sad all movies. I remember about that one is the final scene in the TARDIS and it sort of leads into the five Doctors because the Doctors got to repair the control room and there's a scene when the Doctor, Tegan and Tarlow get introduced wearing all their fancy stuff. I remember nothing about in between. I think Chameleon turns into uh, the, the titular Crystal Bucephalus, the big right. horse. And I think there's, a, there's the, the Crystal Bucephalus itself is a restaurant and the Doctor's got a ticket for it. And I think at one point he gets sent back in time and he's got to wait for the years to go by. The other thing I remember about the Crystal Bucephalus is the fact that it uses the lines from the Victoria Wood special was that but Doctor what about the Ming Mongs? Oh, you're joking. Yeah that's in there. <laughs> you didn't know that did you? I, if I did I'd probably forgotten. Going by the reaction on your face there no you didn't it's not I, the sort of thing you forget. No I mean it's I probably buried it yeah. I probably would have I definitely would have clocked it at the time and just I, gone right Pharaoh I yeah. see what you've done there but now I think it's torturous. Yeah because <laughs> I think that you probably would have accelerated its mega flamfinity into cretathons. <laughs> Negative cretathons. Indeed thank you. Um, so me, yes that's my only Search me dear gif. Yeah. yeah. I see the main thing I remember from that is the console room's blown up at the end and there's like a single like pillar yeah. and he's got to re- yeah. rebuild the TARDIS console yeah. from there. I remember that too. But that's generally that's not weird. much. Yeah. I remember only one thing really about the next book that we got. State of Change by Christopher Bullis. Yeah. Do you remember? I loved State of Change. That yeah, that was. I think that was also one of the earliest ones that I read. I didn't. My my memories tell me that I, there was quite a lot of new adventures published before I before I started them. I wonder if I decided that I wasn't going to bother with them for a while. I can't remember now. As you say, it's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I loved State of Change, Christopher. Christopher Bullis gets quite a hard time from a few folk. But every one of his books that I read, I really, really enjoyed. Um, there's a scene towards the end where the Doctor sort of regresses back through his incarnations. And I remember at the time being like, oh, yeah, great. Because we hadn't quite reached that stage in Doctor Who spin-off media where the Doctor and all his past bodies turning up all at once seemed to happen all the time. You know, like, it seems to happen in comics quite often. More often than I can scarcely believe, you know, BF have done the, you know, I've always admired BF's restraint in doing multi-doctor stories. It must be said, but I really like State of Change. The reveal that this the Rani was so well done. Yeah. Um, I thought I remember that Perry was written really well. I remember Craig Hinton, who we've just talked about, being quite dismissive of it in DWM. What you see, he used to do this pros and cons thing. Do you remember? And I remember one of his cons was Hartnell in a, Hartnell in a nappy because he was visualising the first Doctor wearing the, 
sort of the Roman gear that the Six Doctor was wearing. I was like, uh, shut up, Craig Hinton. It was great. I really, really enjoyed it. There was a nice sort of, quite a sort of, almost a Burroughs-esque, pulpy sort of feel to Christopher Bullis stuff. It was always quite widescreen. I was a fan. I think his stuff was always, it's always a solid Doctor Who story. Never, It's never going to be your favourite novel of the year, but it's never going to be one that you think, oh my God. It was always, you know, it was... It was I mean, I, I don't want to use the phrase workmanlike because that sounds like it was just churned out with no effort because I know how difficult it is to write something mm. like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it was competent and I think The Sixth Doctor was well written. It gave it, again, it's the first chance we've had to see Colin, yeah. Colin's Doctor in yeah. a, you know, since 1986 and it uh-huh. gave us, a, thankfully, a more welcome, friendly, warmy, yeah. warm version of Colin. That, I mean, that was, that was one, that's, that's an excellent point. I mean, I've said many times, even on our podcast many times, one of my favourite things in spin-off media is the fact that the Sixth Doctor was given more to do than he was on telly. And one of one of the biggest thrills with the, the Missing Adventures was we're getting some more Colin. Yeah. That's why, out of all the Big Finish stuff, I've got more Collins. I've, I've, there are fewer gaps in my Colin Baker Big Finish than there are in any other Doctor, you know, because it's just... Because he's great and we want some more. Always. always. Anyway, so... Talking of great and wanting more. It's the romance of crime by that Gareth Roberts. Linium. So possibly an Earth colony? On an asteroid? Strange choice. Well, we won't know unless we get inside. No! Follow me. Do not attempt to communicate. Any attempt to escape will result in immediate execution. Yes, it usually does. All right. What a novel! What a novel! I mean, it really is. It just, it just makes you feel. When you, after you've read it, you think, "Yeah, I remember that one in TV." Yes, it's, it's, fault. it's the memory cheats, as Mr. Yes. Nathan Turner used to say. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the thing I always remember is um, was it the character of Main Love Stokes, which is just hilarious, and he pops up again. BF adapted all all three of Gareth's and um, you know did them really really well. And Romance of Crime, if I'm, it's out of the three, but it's probably my second favourite. But you're right. I mean, I can imagine it. I de- you know, it's it's you had a definite sense of like you know, I watched this and they made it in television centre, and the Ogrons came back and yeah, that was a belter. I think that I means the silly things in there like mm-hmm. steak meals and things like that. I mean, again, the Big Finish Audio is great. John Dorney, fantastic job in adapting it and condensing it, um, and it, it just it just feels absolutely bang on. It, it's very. I mean, if missing adventures are meant to be true to the era of television yes. which they're made, then this absolutely yeah, sets the bar. That, I mean, that's that's an excellent point because the whole scope of the new adventures was stories too broad and too, you know, wild for the small screen. And they kind of did the same thing with the missing adventures a lot of time, but Gareth seemed to very much so try and be as era authentic as he could. And some of his new adventures still felt like that. I mean, Zamper is one that I have very fond memories of. Is another one that felt like you know. I watched that and it was it was made in Television Centre Studio One and there was some CSO fringing in that scene and and all that definitely. Yep. Next after Romance of Crime, it's, it's almost the opposite because yeah. in terms of a story that feels like it was made at the time, we've got Barry Letts adapting the Ghosts of Space, the BBC radio play. So what happens now? Right, is the is the headpiece quite comfortable? Yes. Right then. Hang on to those brass grips. Uh, don't let go. You're completing the circuit, you see. Now, close your eyes and just let it happen. Can't get out of it now, my girl. Relax. Oh, go on, relax. 
not going to be back by the Good Lord, I'm floating against the cloister roof. And there's me down on the bed. And the doctor. Off we go. Come on, then. How? You don't ask how to lift your arm, do you? Just do it. Oh, oh, oh it's easy. It's like flying in a dream. <laughs> it's great. Which, haven't heard it, haven't read it. Now, that's interesting because, for me, you've got Paradise of Death. Have you heard that one? Nope. I haven't heard either of them. Of course, it's John Pert to me, and you've not heard I know, it. I know, I know. but they came out, Paradise of Death came out, was that 93 it came out? Mm-hmm. See, that was that was the year I was working in the comic shop, and that was a, a kind of fallow yeah. period. That was the period when, for the only time in my life, I stopped buying Doctor Who magazine. Wow. Because it had just, it, you know, it'd been off telly a few years, um, and it, you know, my interest just dwindled. I wasn't reading the, I hadn't gone back into reading the new adventures yeah. yet. After reading the first couple that come out, um, I was properly into comics and music at that point, so Doctor Who's kind of fallen away. So I, yeah. Do you have them? Do you own them? I don't know. Isn't that bad? I've got a feeling I might have one of them on cassette. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that shocking? I mean, I've got the book. I've got the books, obviously. Mm, Um, But but to me, it's not. It's not the greatest. It doesn't feel like a story from season eleven. It feels very much. It's feels far more modern it just unfortunately it just didn't work for me I'm afraid right with I mean and the end space that's mentioned there is completely different end space from right. end space that we have introduced in season 18 of course so for me it's it just didn't feel right at all I'm afraid uh. whereas unlike the, that the next book that we got was time of your life by Steve Lyons which absolutely this is what we really needed this exp- again well big finish have done a brilliant job with the likes of Evelyn Smythe and people always say, oh, there's the first original companion for the Sixth Doctor. No, it's not. We get to meet Grant Markham mm. in, in this and one. And what was, what was the girl's name? I want to say Angela, but I don't know if that's Yes, right. Angela's correct. That's right. uh, Time of Your Life is my is my favourite missing adventure. Wow. I, can, I can state that categorically. I absolutely effing loved it. <laughs> um, I remember... Reading it kind of late '95, I have a mid mid late '95 sort of time. Yeah. And like I said about um, State of Change, it was just really good getting some more Sex Doctor. I was into the Sex Doctor. I remember actually there was a period one day 1994, the Virgin Megastore on Union Street had a sale. All their Trial of a Time Lord tins got marked down to clear. And I hadn't bought it when it came out, so I bought one at this greatly reduced price, and basically more or less watched Trial of a Time Lord in one go. <laughs> you know, sat up till three o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe maybe over a couple of nights. But I was I was into the sex doctor and the idea of um, you know, just the exp- there was so much untapped potential. And time of your life is basically set immediately after the trial. The doctor sort of dealing with everything that he's just heard about the Valyard. I mean, when you watch the episodes, it's almost like it, he brushes it off completely. I remember I did my thirtieth anniversary watch along. You know, watch through all of it and being appalled that the Doctor basically didn't spend the second half of episode 13 just standing there shouting and swearing, you know, what the f*** is going on? Set immediately after the trial, the Doctor becomes a recluse because he, he, he he's terrified of everything he's heard about and he meets this girl, Angela, takes her off on a trip and basically, you know, spoilers, she gets killed by the, the intelligent, the, the artificial intelligence on this sort of satellite and then the Doctor ends up in this very Running Man-esque sort of situation 
and as Kenny says, he meets Grant, who leaves with him at the end, and it was just like, it was widescreen motion picture Six Doctor, which we never had, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's very much, you, you finish reading, you think, why were we not given this Doctor on TV? This is somebody who mm-hmm. understands that this is a Doctor full of passion, he can be abrasive, but his hearts are always in the right place. Yep. And he's not a shouty bully. Yep. He's very much a doctor driven by his passions for justice. Yep. I mean, it makes me again sort of say that the the collision of circumstances and people that led to Eric Sayward being Colin Baker's script editor. It's just it's nonsense. We were robbed. Colin was robbed. It's a shame. Absolutely. Anyway, so next is Dancing the Code by Paul Leonard again. Which, which I... I remember that as being, I think it's set somewhere in the Middle East or it's in North Africa. Yeah. There have been lots of sand and yeah. there's insect creatures in it. Yeah, um, and there's a sort of repeated sort of meme sort of of dancing the code or something yes. like that. And there's I, honey or something like that. Yeah, I remember, what I remember about it was, I might have said this when we did the last one, I used to use the ca- character names from new, new and missing, whichever New Adventures and Missing Adventure book I was reading, whenever I had to change my password at the bank, I would use a character name and I remember using the name Vincent from time from Dancing the Code I remember that more than I remember the story but again so if I read that and I was working at the bank that would have been 1995 that would have been so yep. so Abbey Arsenal I just remember there being alien space honey and insect type yeah. creatures and a repeated uh, a meme phrase yeah and um third doctor unit and all that yep. um not a classic but I was a big fan of Paul, Paul Leonard he was very always very solid yes you knew, absolutely. you knew you know yeah this is going to be okay yep. so Next is another one which I haven't read. It's The Menagerie by Martin Day, which yeah. I think is a second Doctor that is, story. Is yeah. second Doctor, uh, Jamie. It's the second Doctor with Jamie and Zoe. Right. And again, I don't remember too much about this. I remember Martin Day saying that he did find it quite hard to get a grip on the second Doctor's character mm. just to try and nail him down because I think it was around this time people realised actually an awful lot of what the second Doctor does is down to Patrick Troughton. It's down to the looks that you get, the eyebrows, the long face, the face, and just the expressions yeah, and at the pools. As I've said before, there's, and I mean, in the, in, I mean this in the best possible way. There's an inconsistency to what Troughton does on telly and the way he plays it, and I think to, to an extent the way he's written as well. And much of that thing is to do with an actor working week in week out on the same program, an actor who's used to playing different parts and doing different things, trying to keep himself interested. Yeah. And. Yeah, he has that elusive quality. So, I mean, as I say, I haven't read it, so I can't comment. Um, yeah. What about System Shock? The System Shock by Justin Richards, Fourth Doctor, Sarah Jane and Harry. Absolutely effing loved it. I remember reading that one round about the time that I saw the Sandra Bullock movie, The Net, in the cinema, and at the same time being sent on a couple of, you know, computer system training courses at the bank. And I remember at the time feeling like I had office information technology coming out of my blooming ears. Honestly, for a couple of days I felt like, oh my God, if I have to type on a computer keyboard or see anything about the internet ever again, my head is going to burst. I love the cover with the sort of CD-ROM and the sort of rendered cover and Lizzie looking dead sexy with a machine gun and all that. And I really, System Shock, I have very few memories of it after this length of time but I remember that I absolutely loved it am I right in thinking it was the fourth Doctor and Sarah in the future and it's an older Harry that's right and then there's a scene at the end when Harry and Sarah meet up and they talk about it yep and she's older now the timelines marry up but I think it's uh, it's great I mean I think the the alien in it or the alien computer virus is called Varactyl right Um, this is completely off the top of my head genuinely I haven't read it since it was published but I loved it I I just I mean I was always a a fan of Justin Richards work Mm -hmm. 
I yeah, just he, was, he was another very reliable writer absolutely solid knows the doctors knows yeah. the characters the companions yeah. and writes for them so well and of course yeah. it would later spawn a sequel yeah I, am I right in thinking books? System Shock. Shock was it Millennium Shock right and am I right in thinking that was done very quickly as a sort of replacement for something it was because Campaign by Jim Mortimer I think fell ah. through I could be wrong It may that may have been the one that was um, right. the sixth Doctor novel that came through with Steve Cole and sure. The Shadow in the Glass right uh, Steve Cole and uh, right. Justin wrote that one yeah I've heard about that one but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, but yes it was written very much as short uh-huh. as the sequel it was very good. I, I really enjoyed it. So that brings us to the next Christopher Bulis book on our list, which is The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is another First Doctor one, which I haven't read. Oh. Which is insane, because there's two First Doctor books I haven't read. And who's my favourite Doctor? It's Bloomin' William Hartnell. Yeah. Uh, um, this is, obviously, this is going to sort your reading re- list yeah. uh, over the next few months. I know. I don't remember too much about it. I just remember there being like a fire-breathing dragon near the start, and I think it turns out to be a robot in the end. I could be wrong in saying right. that. But I just remember there being a fire-breathing dragon and Susan sort of doing some magic spell or an incantation. Right. And beyond that, gone. Next, we come to Invasion of the Cat People by Gary Russell. Now, I have quite a few clear memories about this one. It's the second Doctor with Ben Polly, very soon after the regeneration, before the Highlanders, obviously. And they're in sort of con- contemporary Britain, as in Britain in the 90s. So there's about to go to McDonald's. There's a, the other bit that I remember is someone's arm being dissolved into a pile of gunk and a dog eating it up. That's what I remember from that <laughs> book. So um, so, I was a bit mm, about uh, I, I I I have a, a memory of being a bit nonplussed about that one to be honest. Interesting because I remember this one particularly. Is it? Uh, I remember it quite fondly because at the end it gave you a false Radio Times cast list as to who Gary would have cast right. with Jacqueline Pierce as I think as the as the cat mother Okay. and the other thing I remember is the fact that this is really the first time we get to develop a companion because we get to we get Polly put centre front and centre right. I do remember that he's a good that's friend that's right yeah and there's a lot of stuff it's about not mysticism and it's a lot like of phrase fell madly in friendship with Annika Wills that's the one that rings a bell yep. yes and it's got there's I think there's because Annika's interested in quite a lot of these things the mysticism so I think there's a bit of Aboriginal myth in there right. and there's also ley lines and things like that now I, I enjoy I don't have any I don't have any negative memories of it I think it's a, I think it was a decent I have a solid vague memory of story. reading it um, again that must have been that must have been June 95 as well I have a vague memory of going ice ice skating one day and it had been in my coat pocket interesting right so after that it's Managra by Stephen Marley now, I only remember about two things about Managra. I think there are robot people wandering around in this sort of a, you know, so you've got classical characters from fiction, and also that Managra itself is an anagram of anagram. Yeah, and does anagram not end up being part of the plot? I can't remember. Yeah, that's right. I remember really, 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 really liking it, but I can't remember anything about it. Yep, same. Which is, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. Um, but again, these, you know, this, this was a long time ago, and at this point we're probably... You know, devouring these books as they arrived. So yep. the next one, Millennial Rights by Craig Hinton. Wow. I mean, possibly was that my second? No, it's not my second favourite. It's possibly joint second favourite with the next book in the list. But we'll come to that. I love Millennial Rights purely for what for everything that was saying before that it. You know, it played with that Six Doctor mythology. There was that whole thing that was introduced in New Adventures. The idea that the Doctor, as an entity, had suicided his sixth incarnation um, to prevent the Valyard and bring out times champion i.e. the seventh doctor and you know millennial rights played into that the cover has the doc has the sixth doctor wearing the valyard's uniform and 
as Melanie looking like a, a space age sexy lady. I've, I've said this before. My mem my main memory of reading Millennial Rights is buying whilst reading it, buying the issue of DWM with Cyberman on the cover that had the colour photographs from the war games. And it was the day I was sent to Abbey National and Wurgelin as cover because they did a few people off sick and I was sent out for a day and you know and I remember walking up and down I don't know if it's Rutherglen Main Street, whatever you'd call it, just on my lunch break. Oh yeah, so the day I went to Rutherglen is how I remember millennial yep. rights. Because I had to you know had to get the low level train and all yeah. that. It was a big adventure and stuff. Across the um, road from the library where uh, Andrew Smith did research for what ah, became the first Sloan Tyrants all those years later. Terrific. Was looking stuff up. My so, memories of it are yeah. a bit more vague than that. I just remember it being loaded with continuity references. And also that Mel's character, when she was transformed in this alternative world, was the Hierophant. Right. Well, I mean, that, that became a bit, a bit of a, a running gag with with Craig Hinton books, didn't it? Yeah. Spot the continuity reference. And I've told this story before. That one There was one night, late 90s, when the, the Glasgow Doctor Who group was meeting in the Cask and Still pub, and there was talk about how Craig Hinton's latest book, which I think was Quantum Archangel at that point, was literally like spot the continuity reference on every line. So Dave McNay and I went round to Borders, and I bought a copy of the book and came back to the pub, and we flicked through it and played spot the continuity reference <laughs> we hadn't we hadn't really reached a, a saturation point with that sort of stuff so millennial yep. rights was was a lot of fun yep. which brings us to the empire of glass by andy lane now this is a clever one i i, I loved empire oh of glass. i did too I, I think andy lane is a very very clever writer and very underrated and i'm glad that he's so he's grown and he has made a career writing in inverted commas, real books, mm. doing his young Sherlock Holmes stuff like that. Fantastic, mm. very, very clever. This one, so it's set in Venice, and yes. we've got a convention going on with lots of aliens present. It's the, it's the, the first Doctor, Stephen and Vicky. Yep. And we also get to Irving Braxiatel as well. That's right, that's right. And it opens with, um, as far as the Doctor and Stephen and Vicky are concerned, it opens with the Doctor coming back from the events of the three Doctors, which is debatable. You know, if you want to, I suppose, accept that into your head canon or whatever, you know, hmm, it wasn't, wasn't quite where I would have placed the, placed the Doctor at that no. point. But um, I remember just that, because he, he steps out of the thingy and has lines about a dandy and a clown, and Shakespeare's in it as well, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's again... It's very literate. My lingering memory is that I absolutely effing loved it, and I think it's probably my joint second favourite, along with Millennial Rights. Mm -hmm. um, Andy Lane was another really, really solid... Yep. You know, writer, a big fan of his. Yep. Empire of Glass again. Yep. My memories are just more than this. I just I found I remember it as a really satisfying reading, one of my favourites. And when a few years ago, when I was you know getting a few Doctor Who books together to give my sister for her classroom library, I made a point of getting a, a cheap copy of Empire of Glass to to add to that pile because it was it was very good indeed. So, mm -hmm. speaking of very good indeed, um, by the, the inverse we come to Lords of the Storm by David McKinty. Yeah, this one. This is another one where a new adventure ties into a missing adventure because this one ran parallel with Shakedown. Because this right. one explains what had happened to the Rutan spy who we encounter in Shakedown. Yes, it's. Um, I'm guessing by your exasperated signs that you weren't a fan of this one. Remember, how I said when I read Sanctuary, it took me six weeks, and then I read Human Nature in three days. I remember Laws of the Storm being one of the dullest most uninvolving things I've ever experienced. Fifth Doctor and Turlow, really nice cover by Alistair Pearson. I even seem to remember the Rutan didn't have that much to do with it. I remember endless 
pages describing space battles using an awful lot of terminology for equipment that was very that was straight out of Star Trek basically talking about warp cells being blasted it was awful see I I genuinely remember very little about it I think there was one of my favourite things in it though is the fact there's a Sontaran in it whose name is Skelp and <laughs> see Dave laughs because this is a good Scottish joke because uh, yes. David is obviously Scottish I am, and I'm a Skelp is another Scottish. indeed but a Skelp for those of you who don't know is actually another word for a wee smack yes so if uh, if Dave misbehaves then <laughs> if he was a child and I was his parent just to clarify this is nothing sexual if David misbehaved he might get a wee Skelp round the lug that's true lug um, equals ear yes yes that um, sort of thing so yeah it's not it's not one that I think yeah and the uh, but then next we get Downtime, which is the novelisation of the yes. straight-to-video Doctor Who yeah, film. Yeah, and my memory of Downtime, uh, which a nice bit of mid-90s you know, marketing synergy, the VHS video release and the book had the same cover. Don't trust anyone, sir. I told you. No one at all. What have Yeti got to do with it? You remember what it was, don't you? I remember being in the middle of reading Downtime when the really, really bad winter was hitting sort of late 95, early 96. This was around about the time that the Beatles anthology was first coming out. Britpop was, you know, the, you know, the, Britpop, the Britpop summer had been and gone, so, you know, um, everyone was still listening to Pulp and all that sort of stuff. Boyzone were making their presence felt. I remember being irritated by them. Counting the days for take that split up in the wake of Robbie, Robbie going, but I my main clear memories of downtime are being annoyed at the obvious extra continuity insertions, like Brigadier Bambera popping up, but also reading, being in the middle of reading it the day that it took me so long to get back to Paisley from Glasgow because the trains were all screwed because of the weather. Are very clear memories of, of that day, but it was also very good because it. It expanded a lot. There's a lot of stuff in the video release, and we really should do downtime for the proper main podcast. Yeah, and wartime and shutdown. Yeah. I'd, I'd really be up for that. I'm surprised we haven't done that yet. We should. We should do that. We should try, try and make that um, a priority. Actually, my main memory was it expanded and clarified all the stuff with Victoria at the start, why she was at the monastery and all that sort of stuff, and yeah. that was done very well. I don't remember too much, you know, in terms of you know from the novel and the and the and the, and the actual film itself. I remember, to be honest, I remember very little about it. It's, right. it's, it's bizarre. This is one that I just... I remember it photos, production photos in it. Right. From the, the making of it. But generally, which is, which is surprising because I absolutely love Mark Platt, one of my favourite Doctor mm. Who writers in any media of any sort. But I, I genuinely I cannot recall anything majorly different between this one and the actual film itself. It was a very exciting time because although there were rumours about a film in America which obviously became the Paul McGann movie, I think we'd all got to that point, especially in the wake of the cancellation of The Dark Dimension, when we were all pretty much like, I'll believe it when I see it. And something like Downtime and you know, and Shakedown, which came out around about the same time. Downtime, Shakedown, Downtime, War, yep. Downtime was really, really exciting. I remember watching it, having and getting the proper episode four chills at that scene when the brigadier is sort of confronting them all and you know and all i have to do is pull the plug all that sort of stuff and sarah jane was terrific and victoria was terrific and the brigadier thinking that jeffrey beaver's sort of tramp character was the doctor you know that and they were very good at how um 
they alluded to the Doctor, but they could never mention him by name, and they handled yeah. all that sort of stuff really well. Yeah. Big fan of downtime. Because at this point, we were getting more and more continuity references. You'd almost think they were catching. Talking of catching, <laughs> what do you remember about the man in the mask? Anything there, Dave? Daniel, Anything that, oh, oh, you, Omani. Daniel Omani. I I remember a lot of the general response to the man in a velvet mask being quite not dismissive. Because the thing that I, the only thing I remember is that Dodo apparently catches an STD. Well, see, I I remember really I mean, again as a first Doctor fan, and the thing is that Hartnell wasn't my favourite Doctor, but at this point, the man in the velvet mask is another one that I remember really 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 enjoying without remembering too much the specifics i remember it being it felt very atmospheric have you ever read the man who was thursday or the man who was tuesday camera it's called by gk chesterton no it felt, feels very similar to that is the best thing i can say about it. it it feels like it's taking place just a little bit in the edge of a dream and it's very incredibly atmospheric and there has you know you, you made the point about continuity there's a line when the doctor contemplates his heart his single heart beating anticipating its twin something like that because it's very written very much that the doctor knows he's you know it's doctor dodo as kenny said coming to the end of his of his first body and i remember being struck by the sort of almost the poetry of that it's quite you know dodo gets gets a bit of action it was it's quite funny the way that dodo has been sort of dragged through the muck in some of the spin-off media um she's only in 20 episodes on tv but she's i really like her as a character she's very funny works very well with steven What's the one? See, there's another book which technically, I suppose, falls at the Who Killed Kennedy. Yes. Which ties together a few threads from some new adventures and missing adventures. Yeah. And I think she's involved in that as well and mm-hmm. doesn't have the best of times. No, she gets herself a new boyfriend and then she ends up with a bullet through her head. Yeah. Controversial. No, I um, I remember. I think, my, I think I remember a lot of people being a bit mf about the Man in the Velvet Mask because it had some, it had some rude bits in it. Yeah. But, and to me, that doesn't bother me in the slightest. It didn't, it didn't bother me because the whole book was just so... And I mean this in the best... It was in a hammer horror sort of sense. It was very lurid. Yeah. It's very enjoyable. I, I, I liked that one a lot. Yeah. Whereas the next one, did you like that even more? English Way of Death. No, I didn't enjoy it as much as Man in the Velvet Mask, but it's still excellent. Yeah. I really... Do you know, that's bizarre. The English I, Way of Death by, by Gareth Roberts, again featuring the fourth Doctor and Romana, like his earlier book, The Romance of Crime. What the place is? Is that that closed chair? Sir, the, the, the noise hurts. Stay down, man. What was that? Nothing important. According to these readings, that's a transmission on a spatio-temporal frequency. No interesting. Nobody in this time period can have receivers operating on extratemporaneous wavelengths. Well, what's happening? I'm terribly sorry, young lady. I very nearly ran into you. <laughs> I fell into the road. I blame the local seismic activity. I found this because I enjoyed Romance Crime, but this one was this one is one of my two favourites. Right. I'm missing adventures. It would be I think it would probably round out my top five. The big finish adaptation of it is excellent. Again, it's, it's a long time since, since I've read these books, but I remember flicking taking the book off the shelf and flicking through it after listening to the big finish version. There's that really funny line when the Doctor says something about um, it's going to blow up and destroy a large part of the surrounding area and the guy that he's with says, well, how much of the surrounding area? And the Doctor says, well, I wouldn't stand there if I were you. <laughs> Which is hilarious. And it has that whole sort of the Doctor and Romana in England in the early part of the 20th century and Percy closed 
you know, yeah. position clothes and all that, and it's um, and car- it just makes you think of big houses and carpet bags. I yeah. and that and just got a catchphrase as well with "Know the will of Zodal," which is hilarious and very, you know, obviously very Bob Baker and Dave Martin. Yeah, very fond memories of English Way of Death. I th- I enjoy definitely enjoyed it. Um, I think out, out of the three Fourth Doctor books that Gareth Roberts wrote for the Missing Adventures, it's probably definitely my favourite. Very very funny and just written with so much so much affection for the for the period that, that it's set in yeah. and the period of the program that it's referencing. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Whereas the next one is also very much of its period, The Eye of the Giant by Christopher Bullis, which yep. is a third Doctor and Liz story, which yep. writes Liz out before she's written out again. Yep, Captain Yates on the cover. Yep. Yeah, I seem to remember like final scenes of Doctor lying on grass playing with playing with a bug or something as yep. as Liz walks off. I loved Eye of the Giant. Mm. At the time, very fond memories of that one. Really proper, full-on seven parts. You know, felt like a season seven, seven-parter. Yeah. Again, you know, widescreen, but not feeling too out there as far as what they did on TV. Really satis- really satisfying read. I think some of Christopher Bullis's latest book, later books weren't very well received, and that's probably has maybe coloured his legacy, as it were. But I, I remember really enjoying it. The Gen- it's that whole thing with a sort of porthole, sort of. That's isn't there? Into, yeah, and there's the, there's a ruby. There's that ruby crystal, which is the eye of the giant, which needs to be taken to an island and then re- returned to the statue. Then the statue comes to life. Uh-huh. That kind of thing. And all whole yeah. alien shebang. And, really? Yeah. I, yeah it's, and it's also got, I, I think it's this one, is it? Where Yates and Benton are both sergeants and they're arguing over who should right. get promotion. And there's not much of an argument from Benton says, well, you've got a bit more brains than me. You go, you do it. You become the captain. Which is, of course, the way the military works. <laughs> I don't remember that part of it, but I remember Yates being a sergeant. That's right, because he's, he's got his stripes on the cover. Yeah. His sides are there, and he's wearing the camouflage. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yes. So I, a thumbs up for me for either giant. Right. Sands of time we talked about on the podcast a long, long we time ago. We did a long time ago. Yes, we did that ages ago, and Tom and I liked it, and you weren't so keen on it. Yeah, I just remember. My, I mean, I didn't have time to reread it properly before we before we did it, but I remember my my lasting memory of of it was one of it's become a sort of is bent noir the, the term? I don't know. The older I get, the less fond I am of stories which exist purely Doctor Who stories that exist purely to be sequels to broadcast TV Doctor Who stories. And my memory of The Sands of Time, it was the first of Justin Richards' books that I didn't really enjoy. I just found it, re- I found it really, really dry and a bit of a slog. Is my memory of it? Because hmm. I found it the opposite. I found it a real page turner. Yeah. That's the wonderful thing. We all have yeah. different opinions, no matter how wrong you are, Dave. Um, um, whereas, of course, next. Ow. Um, next one is Killing Ground by Steve Lyons. Ah, which is the second Six Doctor and Grant Markham book. Very exciting because I had the Doctor on the cover with a black eye. And what I, what I, one thing that I liked about the Missing Adventures, it gave gave Colin a different cravat and waistcoat combination. You, you, you may have picked up over the over our podcast how a big part of my appreciation of Doctor Who is what the Doctor's hair looks like and what he's wearing. I'm not sure what that says about me. I think it's hair envy, but then again, I have that too. Not of your well, you do have a fine head of skin as well. So yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, that's, but um, but yes, I remember this is a good one. I remember it, Killing Ground. The the big deal, the exciting thing was it had the Revenge style Cybermen on the cover. My memory of it is that I kind of thought it was a seven out of ten. It wasn't quite as exciting as it could be. But there was all this really clever stuff about what they called the Bronze Knights. Yes. So this was it, and maybe if you like anticipated Stephen Moffat's sort of idea in the Doctor Falls, 
that um you know the the Cybermen basically just pop up everywhere mm-hmm. you know and Grant meets his father and the doctor gets an absolute kicking and there's a brilliant line where the doctor says he's kind of still trying to reconcile the possibility that he might become the Valyard and he thinks to him, I think he thinks to himself something like I am the doctor whether I like it or not fantastic yeah. I think I'm really, really, there's some really yeah. good emotional stuff because I think Grant just goes through quite a lot of loss and he thinks well I, I can't handle these emotions I'm, I just cannot bear this loss and he thinks about you know the pros and cons well, or in this case the pros of becoming mm. a Cyberman that's right yes and it's quite I think there's, there's I think there's some visceral moments in it as well, mm-hmm. but it's a yeah, good that's solid right. yeah, story. Well, yeah, that, yeah. Is it not a bit when you get the the conversion into the Cyberman from the point of view of the person it's happening to? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I might have to read the two Steve Lyon Colin Baker books again. Actually, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Killing Ground's a good one. And next we've got the Scales of Injustice, which I re-listened to actually just before lockdown in my drive to and from Edinburgh. Right. I did the novel where Dan Starkey reads it okay and I really enjoyed it I quite in fact we've got uh, you know, reconciling the the Silurians change of appearance and the fact that there's sort of like there's been a bit of crossbreeding and yes, experimentation that was, yeah I mean that was one of those sort of preoccupations with Doctor Who fandom at the time was why did the Centaurans all look different every time you saw them and why were the Sea Devils and there was a reference was it in this one that made a reference to clan groups I think it was, was yeah. it that? Scales of Justice it would probably annoy me now more than it did at the time but I this one I seem to remember tied in quite closely to Who Killed Kennedy. There was some really good sort of... Did I have, I'm right. Tell me if... Right. You, you might remember this better than me. Did this have stuff about Department C-19? Yes, yeah. and the glass house and the twi- I, the Auton twins. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I remember really digging Scales of Injustice because at that point there had been quite a lot of missing adventures. There been quite a lot of new adventures. There was quite a lot of their own continuity as well as the TV series continuity. And Scales of Injustice was one of those ones that did a really good job of pulling it all together. Not at the expense of the story it was telling, but doing you know doing a really good job with it. Yeah, aye. Scales of Injustice against Third Doctor and Liz again, isn't it? Yes. Is that right? Because yep. I remember Carrie with a big ha- Carrie the big hat on the cover. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got a Murka in there, and that's there's right. John Sudbury, and there's there's some really really nice stuff that actually there's, there's some threads that were picked up on in later novels, which which Gary did and a few others right. did as well. So yeah, I I quite enjoyed I mm. enjoyed listening to it, and of course. For us in the Glasgow Doctor Who group, it was quite nice because one of our members got a name check who was the driver for one of the people in this, Alan Morton. Oh, really? Lovely young chap from Glasgow, as the book cool. describes him. So. I haven't seen Alan Morton for years. Dave, you mentioned a few minutes ago that your bet noir was Doctor Who stories that exist as sequels to TV stories. Yes. So, next, what did you feel about The Shadow of Wen Chiang? By that David A. McKinty. Kenny, I didn't read it. Oh, interesting. See, I, re- I remember very little about it. I remember <laughs> Mr. Think- Sin's on the cover, isn't he? Mr. Sin is on the, the cover. Doctor and, Ro- and Mary Tam's Romana. Yep, we get, as they're looking for a segment at Key to Time, which isn't there, which actually is quite a good idea, because it found, obviously they found it first time every time on TV. That's right. Whereas here we get them sort of going around, and I think we meet uh, Lee Sen Chang's daughter, who I think I could be called, I could be wrong, it's called Hissian Ko, excuse my pronunciation, and there's also a bit where K9 has to go up and down some steps, so his traction unit comes off at the bottom and, he, and it's sort of going up there. I remember that down. in one of the Decalogue stories. But beyond really? that, I really don't remember that much. No, I. This was, I mean, this was quite late on, quite a late one coming out, and there's, there's a few coming up that I, towards the end that I didn't read. 
and yeah I, I think by that point I, I was just wary of reading anything with mm. David McKinty I'd, I'd enjoyed his first couple of books but by that point I was a bit <laughs> so the next one is Twilight of the Gods by that Christopher Bullis now is that the, f- the second Doctor Victoria as a Monoptera Zarbi one that's the one yep Return to the Web Planet I haven't read it what do I remember about it I remember that um, there was a Benny New Adventure which was also called Twilight of the Gods and I remember thinking at the time that's a bit annoying there's two books with the same title right who wrote that one the funny if it was the same writer. It wasn't. I, right. I, I, I genuinely, it's just gonna. I just remember there was. I'm sure there was a bit where Victoria's got some sort of thing in her head, and there's Zarbi chirruping around. But genuinely, everything else apart from that has been. No, I remember there was a, something like there was something like a seed at the heart of Vortis that had caused the animus or something like that. But there was definitely something growing in the heart of Vortis which had brought them back. And that's me gone. I'm out. Interesting. I have a feeling that. I need to check publication dates and all. Because remember how I said there was quite a few of the late new adventures that I hadn't read? Mm-hmm. You know, like Death of Art and Bad Therapy and the one on the moon, if that's not the same one, and the one with Perry, which, you know, and I still haven't read Long Barrel, even since the last time we spoke. So I think at the end, you know, by this point, maybe the writing was on the wall or I was reading other stuff or I'd just fallen behind, but I didn't. That's, I mean, that's what I mean, is that? Two in a row that I didn't read? Yeah. So, what so about God, Oops, Speed of Flight by Paul Leonard. I didn't read that either. I recall very little about this. Um, I know it's the it's third, third Doctor, Doctor book, and yeah. I think it's Joe. And is that not the, when Captain Yates goes for a trip in the TARDIS? I remember hearing that much to tie in. Yes, to, um, that's right. To, to explain the reference in Time Lash. Yep. And there's the reference for Carfell. And that's that's me out. I genuinely remember yeah, nothing else. I didn't read that one. Uh, the, now, next one of course, I did read, and yes. I loved The Plotters by Gareth Roberts. Yes. I loved a bit. Excellent. Another attempt by Gareth to really recapture the the feeling you know and vibe of the of the tv series so it's the first doctor with ian and barbara and vicky and yep. it's excellent and the, and guy fox gets yep. killed off in the first like, yep first five minutes or so of reading and and from then on it's the case of how do we get the gunpowder plot back on yeah to happen and um, make sure everything happens but it's wonderful it's so funny it's got the king chasing vicky around vicky's dressed up as a page boy mm-hmm. And it's just it's beautifully done. It's great written, fun. Written with real, real affection for the for the era. I mean I'm a huge fan of as I say of Hartnell and you know, season two is terrific and it's you know I it's it's a good one. So the next one Blimey. My, my memory of reading the next one was that I was reading it run about my birthday in nineteen ninety seven because I remember having it upon my person the night I saw the Moody Blues at the Glasgow Royal Concert. Oh, wow. So yeah, the next one being Cold Fusion by that Lance Parkin. Now Lance Parkin who kind of made a big impact with Just War, which did we talk about Just War? When we, I don't think we really did talk about we Just didn't. War. <gasps> yeah, we will definitely have to do a New Adventures episode a proper two, one where we yeah. do the one where we talk about the ones where we don't. Yeah. We didn't mention last time. Or we, yeah, we'll just rattle through this. Well, did we do that? Did we not? Lance Parkin wrote a book called Just War, which was. I now remember was it off the charts one of the just proper yeah almost like you know really 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 good a solid you know nine and a half out of ten and Cold Fusion stars the fifth doctor with Adric Nissa and Tegan set very soon after you know into his into his regeneration and also features the seventh doctor with Chris and Roz you could tell they probably knew they were winding up by this point they were going to be losing the license so they thought right let's let's go for it let's do a multi-doctor story Big Finish have also adapted it. This planet was one of the most harmonious in the Empire. Yet they need a peacekeeping force. You found yourself in the middle of a serious security incident. You nearly collapsed. A time disturbance. 
It was like being caught in a hurricane. We wish to probe other dimensional states, to tap into dimensional energy. My friends and I have been on this planet for six weeks, trying to discover exactly why the adjudicators are massing their forces here and what the Scientifica is working on. How can I help? That's a ray-shielded door. What's behind that? It's very good. I felt the last, I felt it got a bit confused towards the end, but I think there's a little element of that in the original book as well. I mean, um, Kenny, what can you say about Cold, Cold Fusion? I really enjoyed it. The fact you've got this younger, naive, friendly, innocent doctor, and then you've got this older, manipulative, nearing the end of his life, seventh doctor. So it's interesting to see how the doctor manipulates himself. And there's some great moments where they both use their sonic screwdrivers. One deactivates advice and the other uses it and reactivates it. Mm. And there's you know, there's, there's silly stuff like that. Tegan gets to meet Chris, who's pretending to be an Australian. He's calling himself right. Bruce. That's right. And pretty much That's every Australian cliche. Those moments are hilarious. Everybody needs good neighbours and everything yes. like that. There's all these moments drop in. There's a wonderful scene with the Seventh Doctor. Someone, I can't remember whose point of view it's from. It's from someone's point of view, and they're basically observing the way that the Seventh Doctor watches Adric. It's almost like a proud parent watching a child or yeah. something. Fifth Doctor picks up on that and is aware of it and is kind of like, right, hang on. There's also a scene where the Fifth Doctor gets punched out at the end, doesn't he, by Chris, because the, do- the seventh- Sylvester's Doctor taps his nose or something, which was which was a signal. But by that point, everything was fine and they didn't yeah. have to use it, but the Doctor still did it. Yeah. And Chris thought, all oh, right, okay, and still punched the Fifth Doctor out. I seem to remember the Fifth Doctor falls over quite a lot in this book. He falls on, does he not fall into some rail tracks or something yeah. at one point? And, and he gets to meet his future wife, or his past wife. Well, yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, that's, a, that's a whole other thing to talk about as well, because there's that other time machine and there's a bit do they does she regenerate when when they touch or something yeah he helps her regeneration along because she's been struggling and then becomes a woman who could have been the doctor's life from a past life and Um, it's very it's never made clear but it's it's interesting in fact it's still there yeah is there something about the way that the TARDIS sort of looks the interior of her TARDIS looks like the Cushing movie TARDIS yes that's right is that right am I right in remembering that yep that was wires and stuff everywhere yep as I get it's you know I remember remembering it and but mainly I remember just but the sheer the thing is my associative memory for confusion is just being so excited that Moody Blues were playing I would I know you're out there somewhere. Yeah. That was that's that was coming up that was that was March ninety seven so I was a few weeks away from yeah. leaving Abbey National East Kilbride. Yep. At that point about to you know to finish at Abbey National after nearly two years with them. So the next one after Cold Fusion is another Dave Stone book called Burning Heart, which again was the sixth Doctor and Perry and I haven't read it. Well, I can sum it up very briefly. Um, the Sixth Doctor and Perry meet adjudicators like Chris and Ross. It's pretty much Judge Dredd by any other name. Right, okay. And I remember very little else about it, apart okay. from that, it just felt to me like a Judge Dredd story. Okay. The next one is another Christopher Bulis, fantastic cover by Alistair Pearson, A Device of Death with the Fourth Doctor, Sarah Jane and Harry. And... It slots in between some stories, and you... I haven't read it. Oh, it's. I think it's between Genesis <laughs> and Revenge of the Cybermen, somehow. Oh, that's right. Does it not? I think I made a start on it. Is it not a bit with Time Lords monitoring the effect of the Doctor's changes That could history? well be happening, yeah. I remember that ringing a bell. I think I definitely made a start on it. There's, yep. there's just, I, I apologise, Christopher, if you're listening, because I was a big fan of, of your books that I read, and I didn't read A Device of Death. I remember a bit of scepticism in the air that it was being slotted into where it was slotted. Yeah, and genuinely I just remember there was some sort of spaceship with a device of death. Right. And that's me out. Next one of course was the, the penultimate. Next one, 
We yeah, the, the Dark Path by David McKinty, which was the second Doctor and on the cover featuring Roger Delgado's master. I haven't read it! It had been quite well established by this point that the author, David, was quite a big fan of the Master, having brought the character back in First Frontier and regenerated him and created a new incarnation. And I think, from what I recall from his fanzine writing stuff over the years, he'd done quite a lot of stuff. He really liked the Master. Which yeah. Well, I mean, I, remember, I think as I said when we did the New Adventures one, I thought he handled him really well in First Frontier. Yeah. Was it not something that he imagined him being looking like Basil Rathbone in the Adventures yep. of Robin Hood? That's right. Um, I thought, yeah, First, Front, First, First Frontier was bearable. Yeah, but <laughs> it didn't this, take me six weeks, put it that way. With this one, I don't recall too much about the plot, but obviously the Masters, I think, is known as Koshi or something like that. And he's got right, his own so, companion. Right, so is that, is that a reveal of the Master's real name? Yes. supposed to be. Oh, yeah. really? And there's also... Uh, there's a load of stuff with aliens that David created, the Zun and the ah, Veltrochni, or Veltrochni, right. something like that. The and there's a battle between a, them going on in the background as well. That rings up. So there's, there's this all big background, and I, I right. remember Victoria being deceived by the Master, who's telling her he's the good one and the Doctor, oh, you should be careful with him, he's a bad one. That kind of stuff, the Master up to his usual nefarious right. near dwelling. But generally, I, it's been so long, I read it when it came out. So, like I was saying, like, till end, the time the last few books were coming out, I wasn't commuting, and at, at those points, in the days before smartphones and all that, we passed our time in public transport by reading. So I'd be commuting to either to Paisley from Glasgow, or sorry, to Glasgow from Paisley, and then to East Kilbride from Paisley. I'm amazed that I did that. But I did read the final book, The Well-Mannered War, but I didn't read it until quite a few months later, when it's in my, my Clyde Action Diary from late 97. Really? It's a tiny note, because I remember, I remember mentioning it when I did my 1997 Twitter account three years ago, which was a sort of almost a live tweeting of what I was doing in my life 20 years previously because I'd, I'd, di- I'd work diaries, I'd personal diaries, I'd camcorder stuff and loads of tickets and stuff that, that enabled me to basically get a narrative going and um, I remember reading The Well-Mannered War when I was down at Radio Clyde as we were doing the that year's annual Radio Clyde Cash for Kids auction. Wow. <laughs> so um, that was in my pocket whilst all that was going on. Yep. So the third of Gareth Roberts' books with the fourth Doctor and Romana and K9. What a dull landscape. Grey rock, grey sky, grey puddle. How would you sum it up, Romana? I'd call it grey. Admiral Dawn, sir. At ease, Captain Phidias. The attack on the enemy craft went well, sir. Uh, not too well, I hope. Greetings, Premier Amok. I am K9. I claim my constitutional rights. I will stand as your opponent in the coming election. And it is the end of the range as well, and it's quite a quite an interesting ending that it has but it's, it's, and it, and it, follows, it brings back um, some of Gareth's previous creations we get right. Men Love Stokes we also get the Chelonians who've been introduced in the new adventures and it brings them together and there's a war going on in the planet planet Barklow um, of course yes. it was later adapted by Big Finish this one as well Barklow was that um, and there's Metra Lubit and I found that quite a funny name was, was Barklow a deliberate reference to some, was that like a Ken Barlow reference, do you think, or a Gary Barlow? Quite possibly. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but it's a, it's interesting. Um, is it Bar- is that Barclay? I can't remember. Anyway, it's got Metro Lubit in it, which is just the best name in the world ever. What are you going to do? I'm going to Metro Lubit. Um, <laughs> that's what the doctor says. Anyway, so yes, I I really enjoyed it. It's again, we've got ridiculous stuff. We've got like K9 standing for presidency, with a, with a ribbon on him, and, we that. and then we've got Romana. Uh, wearing the third Doctor's outfit, which is I think is beautifully painted in the cover of Alison yes. Pearson, and it is just 
it's just a fantastic way to end what I think was a very strong range. My memory of it is, is this the one when the Doctor meets the tea lady in the middle of the war zone and there's a moment he puts a cup of tea in his pocket and then takes the cup of tea out of his pocket later on and I remember a few people going, he can't do it, but it was, just sums up the sort of stuff you would get in a Douglas Adams season 17 story, it's perfectly believable, yep, I'll put this cup of tea in my pocket, yeah. Very funny, I mean, quite dark compared to the other ones, there's, there's a lot of death and some unpleasantness and I remember some stuff with, you know, with rotting flies. Yep. For some reason, that's bizarre. Have you I heard do, the audio version? Yes, because this is the thing, I now suddenly remember I was reading the, I was listening to the audio version the day I was sent out to HMV Silverburn to help, what, about four years ago, to help set up that store when it reopened. I was listening to that in the Big Finish app at that particular point and I say, you know, it's weird that I can remember. I have two work-related, clear work-related memories of when I was experiencing this story. But again, I say I didn't read it till a good few months after. But yeah, you're you're about to see the, the ending of it's quite interesting. Yes, because we've got at the end, uh, the Black Guardian shows up. Yeah. And uh, the Doctor and Romana have only got one way to try and save themselves because the TARDIS, I think, has got the alien uh, hive um, being drawn along with it. And the only way for them to escape is to go into the land of fiction and there's no way of coming back. So it basically implies that everything that takes place from season 18 onwards is in the land of fiction and therefore Doctor mm. Who is not real. Yeah. Which we all know is, of course, completely true. We walk past police boxes all the time in Glasgow. It's true. It's yes. just moving around. Yes. So yes, it was quite an interesting sort of way of signing off when Men Love Stopes gets dropped off in Della, which helps set up a new character for the Bernice New Adventures range. Right, okay. Yeah, it was just a very... Very, very different ending. The Doctor gives Romana a kiss in the cheek and then off they go when the Doctor does, hit that button together. Does that mean there's, there's, the, um, there's men love in the, the new adventures? The, the men, yeah, the new adventures are full of men love. Interesting. Yeah. That's been a good fun That's been run. all right, yeah. I've enjoyed uh, going back over these old memories. Me old too. Times. I mean, it's um, it's weird this. My memories of them don't seem to be as clear as my memories of the new adventures. Yeah. That's that's surprised me and struck me as we've gone along with this. It's thought, oh, right, I don't remember this yeah. just as well. Of that's interesting. Because, of course, in these days, there was a race to finish the book. So you could talk about it in the pub for those oh, of us who right. read the books. So you that's could right. say, oh, I've read it. Yeah. And then making sure that everybody else had and, as well. You know, there was a regular release schedule. And I see, there, there was a point where I had kind of, I basically paused and went back to the start and did a bit of rereading and reading the ones that I hadn't read all the way along till I more or less was, was caught up. You know, you were averaging about, you know, your average, your average reading a month is maybe sometimes as many as five or six of these things, you know, it was, yeah. and it's, which is incredible now, I think, because I just never feel I have any time to do any reading. No. Despite the fact that, you know, it's, it's been a very inactive year because of the whole COVID situation. Yeah. It's very strange. And I'm, I'm genuinely surprised how many of them I didn't read, seeing the whole, seeing a listen black yeah. and white in front of me going, oh, I didn't read that. Because I think there's, you know, as I've said, there was a few new adventures towards the end that I didn't read. Yeah. But I mean... Right, so Return of the Living Dad. So basically, there's, there's a few that I'm feeling inspired to go back and read. Actually, uh, I just have the missing adventures that yeah, went through there. I mean, there's only a handful of new adventures at the end that I didn't read. I should go back and I should go back and have another back. Maybe even if I just read Return of the Living Dad again, and just took it to that as my as my starting point and just fired fired through the rest of them. Yeah. They'll be okay. Look, so given the interesting, yeah, um, they have been interesting, of course. Um, so that's been it. Uh, that's been our look through the missing adventures over the last 50 minutes or so. Hope you've enjoyed it. We certainly have. Yes, great fun. And as I keep saying, stunned by what I remember and what I don't remember. Yeah. Hmm. You know, it's a range that I really enjoyed at the time and it was sad when it came to end. The BBC Books range started, of course, but they, were, they never had quite the same feel. So yes, when it comes to the, the missing adventures, I definitely feel that. This right here.
we're missing you. I feel give anything to hear half your breath. I know you're still living your life half the death. 